I want to welcome you to Daily Drive Time Devotions. We're finishing our study today in Ephesians chapter 1, day 5, verses 15 to 23. These are verses that talk about the eyes of our heart. When was the last time you had your eyes examined? Today we're going to talk about different kinds of eyes, different kind of examination. A pair of eyes that you may not even have known you have. The eyes of your heart. Ephesians 1, 15 to 17. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, that he may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation and may know him better. And then verse 18 says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Paul's prayer here is that we would have wisdom, that we would have revelation, we would know this mystery revealed so that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. Your eyes Physical eyes can see what's going on in the physical world. But the idea here is that we also have spiritual eyes that can see see the truths we've been talking about this week. How am I going to see that I'm rich in Jesus Christ? Only through the eyes of my heart. And the eyes of my heart set the direction of my life. If, if my spiritual eyes, the way I see things, the attitude through which I see life, the lens through which I see life, if it's all about materialism, I'm going to live as a materialistic person. If it's all about fear, I'm going to live as a fearful person. But if the eyes of my heart truly see who I am in Christ, it's going to change. It's going to change everything. And these verses, Ephesians 1, 15 to 23, are in one way God's eye chart. They help you and I to evaluate our vision. They help us to improve our vision. Warren Wiersbe has said about these verses, as Paul prays, he does not ask God to give us what we do not have. He asks God to reveal to us what we already have. I remember hearing years ago a story about the millionaire William Randolph Hearst. He was looking for some art treasures that he felt he must own, and he sent an agent abroad to find them. And after months of searching, the, the agent reported that he finally found the treasures. They were in Mr. Hearst's warehouse. He'd already bought them. He didn't know he had them. He was searching for treasures that he already owned. What a parable of life for many of us as believers in Jesus Christ. The moment you became a believer in Jesus Christ, treasures came into your life. And Paul is praying here, God, help, help us to see those treasures. What are these treasures? Well, we've talked about them the last several days, but it's, it's summed up in verses 18 and 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Three treasures that sum up all that we've talked about this week. The hope to which he's called you, the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Let's take a closer look at those. He's praying here that we would see the hope of his calling. If all you have in this world to look at is this world, you're going to end up in denial or in despair, one or the other. Either you have to deny the evil you see in the world or be in despair over the evil that you see in this world. If you really look only at this world, you end up with, H.G. Wells' famous comment about man, man who began in a cave behind a windbreak will end up in, a, in the disease-soaked ruins of a slum. Is that really where we're headed? Not according to God. God's calling is filled, it's overflowing with hope. He has called us to salvation in his son. He's called us to close fellowship with himself. He's called us to lay our worries and our burdens at his feet. 
to live out the fruit and the gifts of his spirit, to live an abundant and purposeful life here on this earth, to spend eternity with him in heaven. That is hope. That is hope with an exclamation point. And we're not only supposed to have hope, Paul prays here, we're to overflow with hope, but the only way to do that is to see hope. The only way to see hope is with spiritual eyes. So he prays here. I pray that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we would know the hope to which he's called us. Hope happens when we trust in God's promises. Now, there's some practical things behind each of these prayers. How does God work this kind of hope into our everyday lives? It might surprise you. He works it in through problems. Romans talks about this. Romans 5, 3, and 4 says, We also have joy with our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience, and patience produces character, and character produces hope. How do our problems produce hope? Well, it's pretty obvious when you think about it. As long as I'm hoping in myself and in this world, I'm hoping in something that's empty, that's not a true hope, that's going to let me down in the end, that's going to leave me in despair. But when I have problems in this world, I realize I can't rely on this world. And it causes me to let go of the things in this world, the hopes that I have for this world meeting my needs, and to put my hope instead in God. And that's where true hope is. That's where lasting hope is. I put my hope in him. The Bible tells us that you cannot have an inner sense of hope without an outer supply of problems. So if you've got problems, as you work through it, trusting in God, he produces hope even out of those problems. God says, I want you to see that. He also wants us to see the riches of God's inheritance, God's glorious inheritance in the saints. Now, we talked about that a little bit earlier this week. God's inheritance in the saints is also God's inheritance for the saints. He's given us an inheritance in heaven that we're going to enjoy, but also he sees an inheritance in us. He has chosen us. And this phrase here, his inheritance in the saints, can mean either. I, I like to think about it meaning that God has an inheritance in us, that he's chosen us to bring glory to himself. You want to develop a 2020 heart vision with this one, seeing God's inheritance? You look at Paul's description of this inheritance. He describes it as rich, and is glorious, a rich inheritance. Our poor me attitude, and we all get those sometimes, those poor me attitudes can be overcome as we see how truly valuable we are to God. And he says it's a glorious inheritance. Our I'm useless attitudes can be cured when we realize we are made, we are created to bring glory to God. I want you to see, Paul said, the hope of your calling, the riches of God's inheritance in your life. And I want you to see, he prays, I want you to see the power available to you as God's child. His incomparably great power for us who believe. As I read these verses, Ephesians 1, 19 to 23, you're going to hear four power words in this passage. In the Greek language, he uses dunamis, explosive power, energia, which we get our word energy from, kratos, the idea of mighty, and iskus, the idea of power. Listen to these verses. That power, verse 19, is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and he seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and he appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. You want to develop 20-20 heart vision on this one, God's power in your life? 
You want to begin to see the power that God makes available to us? These verses say, here's how you see it. You see it in the resurrection of Christ. You see it in the rule of Christ. And you see it in the church of Christ. Just like the power of the resurrection, God has that power available to you today. Just like the fact that Jesus is sitting at God's right hand, God has that power available to you today. And just like, just like the church, where Jesus is the head of the body, God has that power available to you today. You see, to see the power that God has for my life, it's pretty obvious. I've got to look at Jesus Christ. When I look at him, I can see the power to live the life that he's given me to live. I've got to keep my eyes on him. That's where the power is. As we walk through these verses in Ephesians 1, how did your, how did your vision check out? Nearsighted? Short-sighted? The question I have always is, how do I improve my heart's vision? And I think these verses reveal the way, only by prayer. Paul talked to God on the behalf of the Ephesians and said, let their eyes see in a different way, their heart's eyes see in a different way. So only by prayer, but gratefully by prayer. There is a way to begin to see life differently by talking to the God who made us. So let's do that right now. God, thank you. Thank you, first of all, that you've given eyes to our heart. You've given us an ability to see things, not just materially, but spiritually. To see beyond the here and now. To see beyond the people that are around us. To see you. To see eternity. And Lord, we pray. We pray specifically what Paul prayed here in our own lives. Enlighten our heart's eyes. Help us to see the hope to which you called us. Help us to see the glorious riches of your inheritance in us, your saints. And help us to see the mighty power that you have for our daily lives. Help us to see with our heart's eyes and to live up to who you are, what you are, and what we see. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Join us next week. We're going to take a look at Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 is your story, the best story that you can imagine because of what Jesus Christ has done for you.